four friends, three states, two time zones, one shared passion. Welcome to the Sunday Drive, where we hit the fast lane and discuss our favorite drives from the racetrack, the court, and the ball fields. We are four lifelong friends who grew up around racing and a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs as we give you our perspective on those last lap lead changes, game-winning scores, and franchise players. We are The Sunday Drive. All right, everybody, welcome back uh, to episode seven. Uh, I am. This is Matt, and I'm joined by David and John. And of course, we want to take a shout out to our producer, Chris. Um, we're really excited about what we've got to talk about this week. We've been waiting a long time, and we've hinted at it several times. So, uh, episode seven, here we go. Three, two, F1. So let's start with a warm up. Um, guys, how's your week been? Mine's been uh, interesting. Life's been uh, kind of kicking me in the butt out, outside of the recording, but uh, I've uh, survived another day. So I'm here excited to, to be talking to you guys and, and recording this week on one of my absolute favorite topics in sports. So couldn't miss that for anything. And for me, the university I work at, they're on spring break, so things are nice and quiet, getting caught up on some stuff. So I'm happy to be back here after some interesting days at work recently. Nice. Maybe Matt, you two need you? to get together on uh, good and bad and make it <laughs> middle ground. <laughs> Even it out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, good, good, guys. I've enjoyed some time to kind of relax over the weekend a little bit and get prepared, watch, uh, you know, some sports. And it's it's been awesome. And uh, speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about our favorite subject <laughs> between the three of us and as Chris listens in. Uh, Carolina versus Duke, round yes. two, regular season. <laughs> season sweep. I'll let you guys go ahead and start. <laughs> uh, I mean, David, does it, as we talked to last time that this, these two teams played each other, with Zion being out again, does it take any of the sweetness away from this sweep? You know what? Not for me, at least. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime Perfect UNC fans. wins, it's a good day. But this was seemed like a classic UNC Duke game. It was close the whole way. It was back and forth. There was excitement. There was never a huge lead. So kind of like the whole history of UNC and Duke, it's been very even the whole way. So it's just kind of added a little bit more to it. Um, yeah, I was really happy with it. They both ended up with a 26-5 and record in regular season play. UNC did get a little bit better of Duke in conference, being 16-2, and whereas Duke was 14-4. and But, you know, it was it was a good game. I was very happy with it. Yeah, I uh, I feel better about this game than last game because um, I feel like last one, clearly they didn't have time to prepare for Zion dropping out 33 mm-hmm. seconds into the yeah. game. And that totally kind of messed that whole game plan up. And I feel like it wasn't a typical Duke Carolina game. So this one, I feel like both teams had plenty of time to prepare for a lack of um, of Zion being there. So. I, uh, yeah, I feel better. You know, I, I enjoyed the sweep. I would be surprised if we're not seeing each other again in next week in the, in the uh, ACC tournament. And, uh, that one scares me because Duke might be out for full blown revenge at that point, but yeah, Zion uh, could be back by then. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Matt, you, uh, still licking your wounds over there. Uh, you know what? I was happy with the overall play. I, it, 
it always hurts when you have a loss, obviously, with, uh, you know, your favorite basketball team. But uh, at the same time, I thought it was very well fought out. This reminded me of um, a lot of the games that we used to have where things were a lot closer. Duke's still doing a lot of um, live and die by the three, but they made a lot of good plays to the bucket. Uh, you know, there's a lot of passing on both teams down to the bucket, and I thought the announcers made uh, a lot of great comments about how this was more of a uh, track race than it was, you know, normal mm-hmm. slow it down basketball game. Yeah, and of course, it in typical Duke Carolina fashion, Carolina tried to throw, tried their be- very best to throw away at the end of the game. I think they went like five minutes without a bucket. Uh, they suddenly forgot how to move the ball around. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a track race for sure. It was well, fun. We, we had another major injury going into Marquise Bolden. Uh, yeah. You know, with his knee coming in, what the first first half the first of the game, five and, minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Like again, as we go to play, you guys, what what's going to happen? And I really. You know, I don't know about you guys. I feel like the trend has been over the last few years that both teams like to beat each other at each other's opposite home. So as soon mm-hmm. as Carolina travels to Duke, you know, Duke somehow decides they're going to throw in the towel and vice versa, which is not what you would think uh, with how many fans are in the stands. But you know what? I'm happy to see um, Carolina get a win because it keeps it interesting. Uh, you know, if you go back to football, a lot of people watch the Ohio State-Michigan game, which is supposed to be the same type of rivalry inside of college football. Yeah. And, you know, Michigan can't step can't up to the up. plate. No. So, <laughs> you know, when you see these guys do this kind of uh, real battle uh, under the hoops on the, on the hardwood, I'm really excited to watch what's going to happen as we go into turning time. No, we could get round three as soon as Saturday. So that's true. It's a few days away. Yep, it's going to be a fun week. We're going into the madness of March. Yeah. So looking cool. forward to it. Well, let's break into our main topic here on Green Flag. Um, let's talk a little bit about F1. Um, John said a little bit ago he's been very excited about this. I think all of us are, are race fans. And, um, you know, talking about the Sunday drive, we were very excited to get into some racing as well as other sports. But, uh, John's always been a big leader inside of our group when it comes to racing and, and Chris as well. Uh, just unfortunately he won't be talking tonight. Um, we did get a caller, uh, James coming out of Chicago has his own blog. Uh, and, uh, uh, he's basically been watching since last season. He's been blogging under a new fans perspective uh, he kind of got hooked on F1, just kind of passing by on on flipping channels like we all do. And he's had a great time putting that stuff together. So we're excited uh, as he called in. Um, and if anybody wants to follow, he's at uh, HTTPS colon ba- forward slash forward slash J chronic F1 dot Wix site. That's W-I-X dot com forward slash chronic f1 so he made a call so we're going to go through some of his questions we're really excited to answer um, answer those in each of our own perspectives so let's go ahead and start with question one from him hey this is uh james from chicago with my formula one 2019 season questions and predictions all right first off 
In your opinion, do you think the new regulations will lead to closer racing and more overtaking, or will it take the massive overhaul that is coming in 2021 to get the grid closer together? Um, so I really think that was a, a great question. Uh, John, do you want to start off on, on your answer around that? Yeah, so not to get too technical, because Formula One is certainly uh, known for its technicalities and its complexities <laughs> around the sport. But um, essentially speaking, so a couple of years ago, Formula One went to a newer car, a very aggressive looking and beautiful looking machines. Um, and it's created some of the maybe the fastest Formula One cars we've ever seen. But on the flip side of that, while single cars are very fast, it's been very, very difficult to pass people in, in the modern day of Formula One. So these these engineers are becoming so in-depth into the rule books that they're literally looking for every single gray area that they can. And they're making these wings, the front wings, the side panels, the back wings, the rear wings. And, um, yeah, and they're making them so that, so that yeah, they're great for your car, but they're also very sneaky in the fact that they do a extreme whirlwind on the air that comes off the back of your car onto the car behind you. So what that causes is, is that a car can get close to you, but there's so much turbulence coming off these wings on the modern day of Formula One car that the car following you, it has such a difficult time actually passing um, and actually ends up destroying your tires. It makes the handling of the car really, really terrible. Um, and it unfortunately hurts the show. I mean, we're all there to see racing. We don't want to see single file. We've seen that in NASCAR. We don't want to see it in Formula One. We want to see these guys get up and pass each other. So for 2019, they finally, they've re done a small revision on the rule books and they've simplified the wings. They've gotten bigger wings, um, but they've taken out a lot of the crazy elements and all these wicked twisted designs um, and, and try to keep these guys somewhat in a smaller sandbox that they can play in to hopefully improve the racing and hopefully create less turbulence coming off these cars and allow other vehicles to, to close up on a car and actually pass them. So to James' question, you know, I think that in the early parts of the year, I think we're going to see maybe some decent racing. Um, I hope, you know, as a, as a massive fan of Formula One for more than a decade now, I really, really hope this that this strategy works. My fear is that, this the 2019 package was somewhat rushed in by the ownership of Formula One, and I have a feeling my gut tells me that midway through the season, these guys are gonna, these engineers are gonna find a way to create that turbulence again and disrupt the yeah. cars behind them. So, as much as I really, really want 2019 to be this phenomenal passing year, my gut tells me that we're probably gonna have to wait until. 2021 when they had this massive overhaul that they're already talking about you know two years in advance um in order to really get the cars to a point where um you know they're they're more simplified i guess kind of like a formula e or an indy car i don't know what what do you guys think from you guys are newer fans as well what do you think of the packages that you've read about yeah certainly with adam you know, I'm definitely excited to see as a newer fan over the well, pretty recent fan, just kind of getting into it and learning about the history of the cars and just how things were designed. Um, I'm excited to see some races and see how cars interact growing up on NASCAR and seeing how it's changed over the years to become more single file. I'm sick of watching that. So I'm definitely looking for actual racing, more passing, more drifting, 
people actually going around each other instead of just winding up one by one going around the track each turn um i don't know i'm looking forward to a good year i do think it will take the new car design in 2020 potentially more regulations more technicalities coming for it to truly make a big difference but i think there will be some difference between last season and this current season coming up um you know and i think one of the things that as john mentioned with the big wing uh issue and one of the i think one of the other pieces even if you get because a lot of these guys are doing tight passing not only on straights but deep into the turns and one of the places that the cars throw off a ton of air uh is from the front tires because compared to closed wheel racing where the air is forced from the front all the way around the car and then over the back um these guys are spitting air off to the side and that's what those wings are for on the front uh this year is trying to or sorry last year was trying to cut them off uh off to the side of the tire and reduce all that drag so even if you're trying to pass somebody on the side uh on a straight or uh, any place with speed they're throwing all their air onto you from that way um so to go back to james question i you know, I think this year is going to be a test year as they really look at how can they throw more air over the car instead of on the sides uh, through the front wing, not having those twisted canards, uh, trying to push air off the tires as well as the bigger wing on the back. Um, it, it's a test year. What can they do to make the sport a little more exciting, which is kind of F1 every year. But it's also exciting because there's only usually uh, 20 guys on the on the field. So when you look at that, you know, there's going to be two, three, four guys uh, as the race develops um, that are having to figure out how to use the wind. So I could see them getting a little more excited and trying to bunch up a little bit more to help each other out or uh, make some deeper passes, um, especially down the straights, if they can get that um, that green light to drop the back wing to reduce that drag. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned the the rear wing, so... You know, they have in Formula One, they have this thing called a drag reduction system, um, or it's often referred to as a DRS. And essentially, when you're within a certain zone on the track, which is typically on long straightaways, if you're within a second of the car in front of you, um, you're able to essentially push the button on the green uh, or on the steering wheel and almost open the rear wing, so thereby, thereby significantly reducing any kind of drag that's on the car and making the car significantly faster on a straightaway. And this year in 2019, they went much larger to that. Um, they significantly increased the size of that wing and the opening. Um, and so I hope that they haven't gone overboard on that. And I hope that, you know, they haven't made passing too easy on the straightaways by having this dominant wing that, you know, allows these guys to have 30 miles an hour. I don't know, Matt, I know you were reading about well, that. Remind and, and tell me if I'm wrong too, because one of the rules with that one second doesn't have to be somebody that's on the lead lap either. Right. Yeah. And that's part of your strategy. If you're coming up on a lap car, a slow car, you know, if you're smart about it and depending on where you are situationally on the track, you know, if you could just follow them instead of passing and just follow them for one more split second, as you're going through those activation zones, you can get a 30 mile an hour boost down the straightaway uh, that you wouldn't have gotten had you passed them before the activation zone. So, yeah, it's a good point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a car that's ahead of you on the track. It could just be a lapper as well. Yeah. Uh, and going back to your point real quick, uh, you know, with those bigger wings, I mean, that's 
kind of the overall need inside of F1, um, especially in the uh, more twisty courses like Monaco that don't have the wide open shots, they have to have a ton of drag on that car to push them down into the turns. Um, so with them having a bigger wing, you know, it gives them more stability, but at the same time it can cause, uh, you know, it's going to cause a lot more drag when they hit the straights. Um, not necessarily Silverstone, but maybe Silverstone in Australia, uh, Singapore has pretty good long straight too, right? You know, the, they have several straights that are going to cause these guys to have to figure out, like I said, probably some more teamwork as they bunch up to try and force a pass out of each other. Yeah, I mean, and Singapore is like its whole animal because it's like, I mean, corner after corner after corner, it's it's nonstop. You know, I'm I'm this amateur racer. I play on Xbox, you know, and it's nonstop. You're getting blisters on your thumb is trying to like make these turns. Um, so it does have a couple of long straightaways as well. Um, so it's about keeping keeping close to a guy, close enough to a guy, so that you, by the time you get to the straightaway, you actually have a chance to make that pass. I know, like I said, I, I hope they haven't gone overboard. You know, I finally broke down and, and subscribed to F1 TV, and I've been going back and watching, like, I think I'm on the 2008 season right now, going back and watching some of those races. And, you know, and they had pretty fairly simplistic wings, you know, definitely on unique designs, but fairly simplistic. They didn't have DRS back in the day, you know, back in those that era. And cars were passing left and right, so – Maybe they need to go back to the drawing board, you know, in 2021 and use this as a as a test year and say, okay, what worked well back then and incorporate that, maybe tighten that sandbox a little bit more and maybe go back to some of those things that worked in prior generations of cars. Um, but that's the and, thing with how fast they push the cars. Uh, my concern is if they go back and start pulling old ways and, you know, trying to lock these guys in. Because back then it was it was – more about the setup of the car with how it was riding because they were heavier, they had more friction, they were um, tougher to, to, you know, move around the track, and it was it was bigger engines that kept the extra weight on them. So I'm afraid if they do too much on that, maybe they start looking like NASCAR, which is mm. honestly what most of us try to avoid. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You don't, it's, there's a very fine line. You don't want to go NASCAR's route where all these cars look the same. Part of what makes Formula One so special and so unique is that when you line up on the grid, every one of these cars looks slightly different. They all have a, a different de- design philosophy and a design interpretation of the rules, which is sometimes, you know, mid season, they start gravitating closer and closer as they're like, oh, well, Ferrari's doing really well. Let's see. What are they doing different than us? Maybe we should in- incorporate that too. So they start getting more and more blended as the season goes on. But, you know, as you as we watch this weekend in Melbourne, Australia, there's going to be a bunch of different wing designs. You're going to see cars that look very, very drastically different from each other. And that's, you know, they're different links, they're different wheelbase links, different wing packages. That's what makes, you know, Formula One so special is that it gives them that play, that sandbox to play around in and develop. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't want right. to screw it's... that up either. That's where you go back to Days of Thunder. There's nothing stock about a stock car. Well, now it's all stock. (laughs) You know, they all look the same, but, you know, Indy's always had, or I'm sorry, F1 has always had that big ability to do a lot of neat little things just for airflow, uh, which makes the difference. Let those creative juices flow from the engineers and tweak as they need throughout the season. 
Yeah. Any other? Gotta gotta find something to spend those that four hundred million (laughs) dollars (laughs) on. Any other thoughts on uh, James' first question? Um, no, not for me. I'm excited to see what it comes. Um, I'm ready to get racing, but yeah, I think it's going to take 2021 before we get what we all desire out of this package. Test year. Um, let's line up James' second question. James, let's give it a go. Next up. I think the middle of the grid will be closely contested and very entertaining to watch this year. Who do you see as winning the best of the rest and finishing fourth in the Constructors' Championship? All right, James, that was a great question. Um, I think that that's one of the things that gets really interesting about F1 is, is you know, they're, the two top teams uh, over the last several years have been Ferrari and Merck and Mercedes, excuse me, and when you look at the best of the rest, that's always kind of the interesting piece on on who else is going to play into this factor. Um, I started with John last time. David, let's let's start with your thought a little bit on answering that question. Yeah, so kind of best of the rest. Who's going to come in fourth pretty much? Uh, we know, you know Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull are going to be at the top, and there's not much, you know, differentiation there. Uh, kind of moving down, I see Renault um, or Haas kind of coming in fourth. Renault's been pretty strong the past couple of years. They've been slowly moving up from ninth to sixth to fourth, so they're getting a little bit better. Uh, Haas is a little newer. Uh, in F1, they've been around for, since 2016, but they're kind of like the junior Ferrari team. They get all their parts from there, so, I mean, they've got a lot of good design, a lot of good parts coming down. So they're kind of the cheaper way to run. Uh, some other teams don't like them because they get things so cheap and they can run a little bit less expensive. So one of those two will probably be fourth. The other will be fifth. Um, I'm going to pull for Hosh just cause, you know, they're American there. So I know this is a global sport, so I'm going to stick with the home team in a sense, but I definitely see fourth and fifth in one of those areas right there. Fair enough. Um, I think to answer that question on my end, uh, I agree. I think Renault and Haas probably have the best shot. Um, Just, you know, I'd love to see Williams come in and do something, but just how rough they've had their history. I don't see enough change in them right now to really make a run at it. Um, Or frankly, McLaren, Uh, you know, they've had all the money in the world. They've had all the history in the world, but they just have not been able to uh, make a go at it in quite some time. Um, At least 10 years now, I believe. So, You know, I'd like to see Haas as as an American. I'd like to get some Americans back in uh, some podiums and and seeing an American team come back out. I'm going to say Haas. Uh, Kevin Magnuson uh, had a really strong year for a brand new team last year. Um, You know, not a rookie, but has some stuff behind him, uh, able to make some changes and he was brought up by, you know, being the son of, of Jan Magnuson, having the, the history that he had and the lineage there with uh, F1, Le Mans, uh, other places. I, I think he's got a great shot to lead the pack. Um, as David mentioned, Ferrari, let, let's call them Ferrari junior B team, just because of what they're able to do. Um, and John and I talked a little bit about, 
at one point, what's, you know, what are, what are they going to do if they start getting some success? We'll probably keep them around because of Haas's ability to pull in good drivers. And he's got the pedigree for running NASCAR teams, but I'll, I'll leave that there. I think if we're talking about best of the rest. I'm, I'm going to pick on probably Haas just because I think Renault has some uh, further growing to do. John. Yeah. So I like, I decided to go the opposite approach and I was like, all right, let me eliminate all the teams that I don't think have any shot. <laughs> so, you know, that threw out like Williams and unfortunately McLaren, as much as I want to make or see McLaren be great again. Um, you know, I think they've got some growing pains that they're going through. Are you saying, are you saying make McLaren great again? You know, I have that. that I have that shirt that I rocked in Montreal, <laughs> and uh, it was quite the hit. Uh, I had I had quite sure a few good looks from that one. Yeah, I had people coming up trying to get, wanting to get pictures with me, and then yeah, awesome. it was uh, it was a pretty cool shirt. Um, and so yeah, I, I want them to be successful, but when it comes to the be- to the best of the rest, you know, I think Alpha may have a decent year with Kimmy being in their you know their veteran driver Kimmy Raikkonen. But they've got a new driver lineup as well. Um, you know, they're totally switching gears. So I, I agree. I think it comes down to Haas or Renault. Um, you know, as American, I want Haas to be successful. I think my gut tells me that, you know, I put my money on Renault to be fourth place. And the reason being is that, um, well, one, I you know, if Renault can be reliable, I think that's going to be a huge, huge thing. They've had reliability issues since they came back. Um, you know, in Formula One as a team and their engines that they've supplied to other teams have been uh, problematic, to say the least. Um, but with having the Hulk, uh, Nico Hulkenberg and mm-hmm. Daniel Ricardo, who may very well be the best passer in all of Formula One. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of him as he grew up watching Dell Sr. in NASCAR. Uh, took that number three for a reason. I think they may have one of the best driver lineups um, in Formula One. So, and the reason I put them ahead of Haas is because I think it was a really bad mistake for Haas to keep uh, Roman Grosjean as a driver. Um, you know, I, as you guys know, I've been watching and I've been watching this week, the F1 documentary that came out, you know, it was amazing to me how many teams were making fun of Grosjean on a consistent <laughs> weekly, weekly basis, as I was. I've been griping about Grosjean since he came over to Haas. Um, he makes too many mistakes. He makes dumb mistakes and he gets himself in the trouble constantly. He can't, doesn't seem to handle the pressure. So I think because of that, I think the team's going to struggle in points. And I think Renault, just like they did in 2018, I think they're going to beat Haas by the slimmest of margins, but I still think they'll take fourth. Just to make a poke. And if he's listening at some <laughs> point in my life, don't, uh, don't get aggravated. But John, does he remind you of a uh, later career Rusty Wallace? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all tons of potential, but it seems like yeah, just always finds himself. I mean, it was what was it? Uh, oh, geez, was it Barcelona, Spain that he uh, took out a third of the field because he decided he spun and instead of just trying to get out of it, he decided to floor it and spin his way back around and create a giant smoke storm. Uh, it was in Baku that he. Uh, wrecked under the safety car that he was just warming up his yeah. tires and lost yep. control and slammed into the wall. There's just been a lot of weird things that happened with him. And I think that, you know, Haas had some F2 drivers in their lineup and their kind of portfolio that they could have brought up and they chose not to. I think that was a big mistake. I agree. Magnuson is a great driver. 
and I'm really excited to see what he's going to do again this year. But I think because of the Renault stealing Daniel Ricardo from Red Bull, I think that they're going to they're going to grab fourth. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, before we take a break, uh, let's let's talk about the rookies. Um, I don't know, John, you're you're more of our aficionado in the group. How do you feel? So I look at. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of guys that have come up that I'm excited about. Um, you know, I think me personally, the one that I'm most excited about is uh, George Russell. Um, I think that, you know, he's even though he's going to be on Williams, and unfortunately, they're probably going to finish, you know, 19th or something like that, which is going to suck. Um, I'm really excited to see kind of what he he can do. Uh, he's one of those guys that Mercedes is sort of tapped as one of their favorite drivers. So I have a feeling that if he can, if he can take one on the chin again and do what's right and, and make a good showing in the poor equipment that he has, I think there may very well could be a spot for him in one of these Mercedes back teams. It may not be the, the factory team, but it could be one of these other teams that Mercedes helps support from engine developments. They have a lot of inside track. And I think that, you know, you might see, see a spot open up for him um, as, you know, maybe not this year, obviously, but in the coming years, I think I'm most excited about him um, to see what he can do. He did a hell of a job in formula two. So yeah. let's see what he can do with the big cars. Yeah. He's got a good track record in 2017. He was a GP three champion last year. He was the F two champion. So he's moving up. He's only 21. I mean, he's got a bright future ahead of him. Something I thought that was interesting is all the rookies this year are from England. What are the chances that all the rookies are from the same country? Ah, I didn't even note that. That's him, that's Alexander Albon, and Lando Norris, all from England. Well, and when you think about it, that's so there's got to be that some is the original pride there between ownership the three of them. to F1 is England. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Great Britain, England is the home of F1. So, but that is a great point, David. Yeah, all three of them. So I'm sure between the three of them, there's probably a little pride going on of who's going to have the best season. Well, those guys were country. also fighting each other through yeah. uh, F3 and F2. David, yeah. do you have a do you have one that you like? I was going to go with George Russell as well. Uh, I think Landon Norris could also be pretty successful. He was first in the F3 Euro Championships. Uh, he was second in uh, F2. So, I mean, those guys have a history together. So, he's always been one step right behind George Russell, but he's also been pretty successful previously. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Lando Norris uh, is probably my favorite, um, and I'll tell you why. Between between he and George uh, Russell, I think what you're gonna see is Lando having more room to work um, because of McLaren. Uh, he's he's just got a better chance to succeed. Uh, Carlos Sainz been fighting for a long time to try and get himself up, and you know then getting blasted. Uh, and then moving over to McLaren, you know, getting dumped, moving over to McLaren, he's going to have a lot to fight for. Um, so they're going to, but he seems to be a team player to a degree. So I think Lando's got a better team. Um, and I think Albin uh, has a lot that he could do just because it's a Red Bull team. Like I said, they hit the right mark. Uh, but even for him, that right mark may be one or two races on the setup. So he's, but like we said, we're, looking at him to try and do as best he can then just move up the ranks to the senior hood. So. Yeah, and he of the, the three guys that we just mentioned there, he's definitely the kind of the dark horse. And he, you know, 
not a whole, yeah. whole lot is known about him. He wasn't one of the big guys that everyone was talking about. He sort of just came onto the scene out of nowhere. So, yeah, I agree. I think Landa is going to have probably the best year statistically speaking because of the equipment that he's in. Um, well, it's going to give him the best option to move around, too, next time one of the other certainly. teams have openings. Yeah. Lando is a more interesting character, too. He's cocky, which in Formula One, you guys be. George seems to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more quiet. Lando, you know, they asked him in an interview recently, like, hey, what are your thoughts about everyone that's been in that seat prior to you? They've all been out of sport, basically, in two years, other than, you know, Fernando Alonso. What do you think? And he's like, well, I'm better than all of them. So he's like, I'm not worried about it at all. <laughs> so, hey, you know, when you're, he's got when a you're 19. You got to be a little cocky to hang with the big boys. So yeah, that's well, true. fighter pilot mentality—that's <laughs> that's what wins those. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. Um, we'd like to you know go ahead and thank our sponsors again uh, at uh, Anchor for letting us do our recordings and putting us out there, and then also at the Black Tux. So let's stop for some quote unquote station identification, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back, everybody, and uh, thanks again to our sponsors. We appreciate you guys uh, um, taking some time and effort into us, and we certainly thanks uh, folks for listening. So that, uh, and we hope that you'll go try out those sponsors. We've really enjoyed uh, Anchor and their ability to let us record and put all of our recordings out there for you to listen to across multiple channels. And uh, of course, everybody wants to avoid that wonderful wedding mistake like I had where, you know, Tuck shows up in a completely nightmarish fashion and they're trying to fix it with a day to go as Dave and John both know. (laughs) Anyway, um, we're going to return to James for one more question and thought. He's going to make some predictions, I believe, Uh, maybe a couple of uh, Vegas side bets. So... um, Let's go ahead and listen to him for a couple minutes, and then uh, we'll try to give you a couple predictions of our own. Okay, so now for a couple predictions for the upcoming season. First, I'll give you who I think finishes at the top of the table for drivers and constructors, and then a couple random predictions. First up, I think Lewis Hamilton will win his sixth drivers' championship with Leclerc pushing throughout the season to finish a closer second than Vettel did this last season. Along with that, I think Ferrari wins the constructors over Mercedes after Vettel soundly beat Bottas, effectively ending his tenure with the Silver Arrows. As far as a couple random predictions, I think that Kimi scores another podium for his career. Ricardo finishes on the podium in his home country race at Albert Park in Melbourne. We will see Akon back on the grid before the year is up. And finally, I think Charles Leclerc gets a win before Vettel to kickstart the wins of change at Ferrari. Personally, I'm very excited to see this kid in a race car that matches his enormous potential. Thanks for taking the time and keep the quality content coming, boys. James, that's actually, that's a lot of information. And again, thanks for being part of the show and calling in. We really appreciate that. Um, Let's let's talk for a couple minutes about all those things for prediction wise. Um, Let's let's talk a little bit about our championship predictions um john's been aching to tell us his so go ahead yeah i think uh and again check out james blog uh as a new fan the american fan i think he's gonna bring some awesome content throughout the year so 
again, thanks so much for being part of this uh, friend of the shows and excited that we could uh, pair together and make this happen. So, but yeah, I, I agree. I think with James on, on my championship prediction on both sides um, on the constructor side, um, I think that Ferrari will take their first championship in quite a few years. Um, I think they've got a quite a pairing there um, between uh, Sebastian Vettel, four-time champion, and Charles Leclerc, who uh, might be the next prodigy in Formula One, um, only in his second year already in a Ferrari seat. Um, and I, but I'm on the driver's side. I think that I'm going with uh, Lewis Hamilton. I'm going to be a homer and go Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I'm a huge 44 fan. I think he's going to take his uh, sixth driver's championship. Um, and the reason I think that it's not one of the Ferrari guys is I think Vettel has somewhat of a track record of when he has a young up and coming teammate, he sometimes struggles with the pressure of having a, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old on his back that may be better than him actually. Um, and I think Ferrari may uh, have to make some concessions to try to keep those drivers happy so I think Sebastian Vettel could have a great chance to win the driver's championship, but I think that the pressure of having this young gun who's not going to want to be a team player, I don't think. I think he's going to want to prove to the world that he's he deserves that Ferrari seat and that he's better than, than the four-time champion. I think that the two of them mixed together may actually take some wins away from each other. So I think Lewis is going to take the championship on the driver's side, but I think that uh, Botas on, on Mercedes is definitely the weak link there. Um, as we saw in the last couple of years, he's a great teammate. He does whatever they tell him to do, but I don't think he has the talent for them to win another, uh, constructors championship. So Lewis for the driver, Ferrari for constructor. Okay. So John, I promise I did not David. look at your notes on this. <laughs> I'm feeling the same way you are. So going with constructor first, where all the money is Mercedes won the last five years, which is pretty impressive five years in a row. Uh, engine performance, reliability, uh, just our whole package has been good. But I do think Ferrari's going to make a little comeback from the early 2000s. You know, they've had the most constructor championships, I believe, with 16. Uh, so I think they're just going to come back with that again. As far as drivers go, just for a little personal championship there, it'll come down to Sebastian Vettel and, of course, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to pull for Vettel, but I think Hamilton's going to take home the sixth championship. Um, no, he's so good. He's won like 50, 51% of his races over the last five, six years. He seems to be pretty unstoppable. So I think Hamilton's going to bring home another championship this year. And David, you bring up a great point real fast. So much of Formula One is about that, that Saturday qualifying. And Lewis Hamilton owns the record for the most qualifying mm -hmm. polls in Formula One history. So, you know, he consistently starts up front, and that's not a bad place to be in Formula One. No, and he finishes up front a lot, too. Yeah, that he does. Now, what you thinking? I'm going against the grain. Uh, Big you shock guys know there. Me. Dark I'm horse gonna... pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to go full dark horse. Um, I Full dark horse. I For Constructor, I think that Mercedes has probably one of the top engine builds and car builds as they've had over the last uh, several years, and I don't think they're going to stop. I still think uh, Scuderia Ferrari has a little bit of time left to finish their build until we get to 2021, especially with the change in the bodies and the drivers having to figure that out a little bit. So I think with Merck having the engines they've had, I think they've got more experience in the drivers, especially with Botas uh, 
can just back up Hamilton as much as he wants. So I'm going to go with Mercedes on that as much as I hate to say it. Um, so I'd see Ferrari to get back to the pole. Um, driver. I had a hard time with this one. Hamilton is, is definitely probably the, the number one pick here. I, I am going to pick a bit of a dark horse, maybe as a side bet. I'm going to say Ricardo. I'm not a huge fan, but he knows how Renault's engine flies. And he's been under a team that's had uh, great build-outs on the car when it comes to Red Bull um, and the engineering factor. So if he can figure out, even in his first year there, he's used to the engine, he's used to that setup. If he can figure out, like, just if we had three even cars between – uh, him, Vettel, and Hamilton, I think he could make an honest running out of all three. Hey, you I mean, to see some shoes John, there. I guarantee you, is shaking his head at me. <laughs> I know he is. But, no, I mean, I I agree that I think Daniel Ricciardo, maybe he could potentially be the best driver on the entire grid. Um, and, he, you know, as much as I think Lewis Hamilton is maybe one of the greatest in the world, Daniel Ricciardo could technically be better than him. The only thing that's stopping him has been the car underneath him. I think if you put Daniel Ricciardo, and I think there was a lot of rumors last year about Botas maybe getting the boot and possibly Ricciardo or one of these young guns coming up. And I'll, I'll be honest, I think Lewis Hamilton might have gone behind the scenes a little bit and say, listen, I don't Mix want these guys happening. as my teammate. <laughs> yeah, you're going to put the, yeah. you're going to put a guy that's going to challenge me and take away my championships. Uh, yeah. You know, Nico Rosberg took a championship from him um, in a year that I think Lewis deserved it, but he had some reliability issues, and Nico ended up squeezing that out in the last race a couple of years ago. I think that if you were to put Daniel Ricciardo in a Ferrari or a Mercedes, he probably would be world champion. Um, so, you know, Re- Renault is like the biggest engine or biggest car manufacturer in the entire world. So, you know, if, and they're putting a ton of money into this. If they could ever get it right – you know, by all means, absolutely. He could be a world champion for sure. It just, I hope the team doesn't let him down. Um, you know, I think it'd be cool if, well, I don't think that he's going to have a shot at the championship just because of the car, but man, Formula One would, would go ballistic if he ever did. Hey, hey, that's why this is my dark horse <laughs> pick, okay? Because, again, if he can tell them how to set the car up, he's watched Red Bull do mm-hmm. this. And they're the ones that have survived. He has survived on no engine for several races and still gotten top place finishes. Um, podiums. Everybody loves to see him drink from a shoe. Just yeah. that shoey. weird little thing. The shoey. Um, the not like the, the shoey. shoey. <laughs> uh, he's running under the number three because of his love of NASCAR and Dale Earnhardt. You know, I, I like a lot of things about him, and I'll tell you one of the one of the biggest pieces is his ability to make the crazy passes and not tear up the car. That cat can dive from outside to inside, um, you know, and being able to come back and make a serious pass that makes all the difference and come from way back in the pack to all the way up front. So that's why I think as – we talk about drivers. He's, he's a far shot dark horse, but at the same time, if he can line up with Renault, I'm not a huge fan of Renault, but if he can line it up with them, with his experience with that engine, it puts him in a place where he can do some serious damage. Yeah. I mean, 
the big difference between him and Verstappen at Red Bull was that both of these guys would throw their cars into hairy situations. Verstappen <laughs> would hit something and, and wreck himself. And Ricardo, nine times out of ten, would find a way to pull through it and would get past the guy. Stretch. And, you know, he'd put a car in places the car shouldn't be and come out the other end, you know, ahead. So I don't know how in the world he's done it. He's got some big kahunas. That's one <laughs> one thing. Big, big old kahunas. So I agree. I, he's, he'd be a dark horse. But, man, Formula One would go absolutely crazy. It'd be like – Dale Earnhardt Jr. won a NASCAR championship. That's how big it would be think, Formula 1. <laughs> you know what? I don't think anybody would be upset if he won either. No. No, he's Not a fan favorite. No. People love him. He's a nice guy. He's always smiling. It's hard It's hard to not like Daniel Carter. Yeah. He's got that likability and personality. Well, and I think that that's, you know, again, we haven't seen uh, – we've seen a lot of great competition, but I'm just going to throw it back to where I see uh, Ricardo – fitting in is he drives a lot like James Hunt from the eighties where he just, he's not afraid. He's going to do it until something slows him down or stops him. And if he can figure out how to pull some kind of Nicky Lauda out of his rear end (laughs) uh, for car setup, it's over. All right. Um, I love it. Let's Hey, Saturday night, tune in. If you're in the States, it's going to be a late one. Uh, May you're that or set your DVR and, and wake up Sunday morning and watch it. Um, just don't check Twitter before you watch it. Don't know spoilers, but uh, don't ruin it. It's going to be awesome. It's home race for Ricardo, too. This might be a good opportunity for him to jump up. James yeah. said he, he's predicting him to be on the podium. Um, it's been a long time since uh, Australian was on the podium in their home race, so he's, he's got a good shot to do it. All right, so let's wave the white flag real quick, guys. Um, starting with you, Dave, what one race are you most looking forward to? So I actually have two. Uh, one, obviously, as we spoke last week about events we like to be at, for me, Monaco is one of those. Uh, it's on one of the best racing days of the year. You have that, the Indy 500, Coke 600. I mean, it's the perfect day for racing. Uh, so that, but also, secondly, is a week in November. Uh, we might potentially be taking our first podcast field trip out there, uh, heading down <laughs> to Texas for Circuit of the Americas. So. I think that'd be fun to go to um, as a group, maybe do a recording while we're there as well. Uh, So those are the two that I'm looking forward to the most. So maybe we should say the top two, John. Um, I agree with David. If uh, we can get a guy's trip out there to the the field trip out the circuit of the Americas, I would love to, to be able to take you guys to your first formula one race and experience it up close. Like I've been able to before, um, so, yeah, that would be definitely the number one thing I'd be looking forward to if we can get that together and do a little live podcasting from the racetrack. Um, secondly, uh, for something that I won't be able to go to, unfortunately, <laughs> but would love to, I think I, I'm going to go with an odd one. I'm going to go with Baku and Azerbaijan. Hmm. Um, it's the fastest street course in the entire world. Uh, it's a straightaway. They have a straightaway so long that it's literally like they're pegging out in eighth gear on the rev limiter um, fastest track, you know, by far on that straightaway. And it's such a technical track. We've seen absolutely crazy moments over the years, but that's where Grosjean wrecked under a safety car. We've seen Botas blow a tire with a few laps to go leading the race. Uh, We've seen last year, the two Red Bull guys took each other out on the straightaway. There's always crazy (laughs) moments that happen at this track. And and for, for track, it's only been on the calendar for a few years now. It always produces like, insane amounts of drama so i'm gonna go with uh with baku 
or Baku. I'm probably cool. butchering that pronunciation, <laughs> but you guys know what it's I mean. It's probably not even right. You know what? That's all right. <laughs> um, I'm going to take an old school one, and I'm going to say Silverstone. Uh, I mentioned that earlier, and part of that just goes back to that's the trap because Formula One was started there. That's where it has such a high attendance rate, and you know, people from all over the world will show up to that track. As John said, you know, we all tend to sit down and play simulators or race against each other in this group once in a while. Maybe we'll pass out our gamer tags at some point. You guys can get on and race <laughs> against us or ladies. Um, but Silverstone's just, it's kind of that like Indy 500 type track, I think. Um, it's got the history behind it. It's technical enough without going too crazy. Uh, you know, in that last turn right before you hit the straight to finish out um the last couple turns are pretty strong so you have to make sure that you're hitting them just right especially if you're trying to make a pass into the into the wind so i really like watching that one that that has a lot of uh history to it if i had to pick a second one i'd be somewhere between the americas uh again i'm i'm supporting the u.s here and i you know i love to see them come over New York, if you're listening, can we please get a race through the streets? That would be phenomenal. Fifth Avenue. Um, Right. But I I like Hockenheim. I think that's an interesting race out of Germany. And, of course, those between Silverstone and Hockenheim being back-to-back this year. But I'm going to stick with Silverstone. So that's – I think that's mine. Um, Let's hit the checkered flag real quick. Final thoughts. Silverstone does have like the coolest name of any turns on there. Maggots and Beckett's. It's like the, the, (laughs) it's like the coolest, most Uh, well-known corners in formula one and, and, and really in racing in the world. So, and it could be the last year they go to Silverstone. They're in a a kind of a pissing contest with formula one over some money and the, the agreement runs out this year. So, Let's hope that they sign. Uh, let's keep this iconic track on the calendar. There's no way that country's had enough crap on their hands. They'll they'll they turn it over before they, they let F1 go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, checker flag, guys. Uh, final thoughts, David. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, PGA. Actually, the Players Championship is this coming weekend on at TPC Sawgrass in Florida. It's the biggest purse of any match over the season 12.5 million winner gets almost 2 million you know it's a beautiful course clubhouse got some good pairings with phil mickelson rory tiger woods is out there which is nice to see him coming back and then also ricky fowler jordan spieth so it's going to be a nice match beautiful weather and one thing that's interesting about this course it was designed by the pga commissioner back in like the late 80s or so and he designed it so it doesn't really give an advantage to any player style of play. It's got par three, four or five, right dog legs, left dog legs. So it's always fun to watch and lots of money coming out after this weekend. Maybe we'll have to do an episode on golf. Might be a little uh, long winded on the drive, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes, terrible dad jokes. John? Um, I'm excited about March Madness sort of kicking off this year or this time of the year with uh, we got the ACC tournament coming up. Excited about that. We mentioned earlier, um, and then obviously the theme of the uh, the episode racing um, got the twelve hours of Sebring this week. Uh, that's exciting with World Endurance Racing, and then obviously Formula One Saturday night. I know I don't know about you guys, but I'll be up at twelve one o'clock in the morning <laughs> uh, Chicago time watching 
uh, the Australian race live. Um, and I'm excited to get Formula One going. Lots of sleep uh, deprivation in the in the Formula One season for me. <laughs> oh, but I'm ready for it. For you. Yeah, I'm so ready for it. I'll be watching some of those secondhand. My wife would really <laughs> kick my rear end if I was so your DVR, ESPN, well, one of the ESPNs. I don't know which one they yeah. between the three or four of them they have, but set your DVR, check it out Sunday morning. Absolutely. Um, I'm kind of going to go with John on this one. Uh, I always enjoy playing golf, but watching it gets a little bit uh, long-winded for me at times. Um, but that is a lot of great history, David. Uh, actually, for for next week, I'm pretty excited because uh, we're going to be looking at March Madness once the tournaments are done. I always enjoy this time of year uh, just because where else are you going to see so many teams play all at once for the dance? So uh, I really enjoy, especially the first couple of days. But the conference attorneys give us a great look at uh, where these teams are and who's going to be some of our big ones and um, David and I were even talking this week about Cinderella teams coming up. So, uh, definitely stay tuned into next week as we come back out and take a look at some basketball. And we're looking at having a special guest on board for that. That's kind of in that territory. So, uh, I hope y'all have a great week. Uh, thanks, John, David. And, um, night guys. Been fun. Night. See you guys next week. Later. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at the Sunday Drive Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to have your sports related question featured on the show, leave us a voicemail at 704 251 9455. Also, if you're interested in staying up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us at Sunday Drive underscore pod on Twitter and Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and subscribe if you want to hear more. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We sincerely appreciate it. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John, and we are The Sunday Drive.